BAE Systems Australia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. This is a BAE Systems Australia podcast. Welcome to Beneath the Deck, a podcast series that tells the stories of the people behind some of Australia's largest shipbuilding and sustainment programs. Careers often end up in a different place from where they started. Few, though, would be as tangential as going from years in a dance studio to working on the Hunter Class Frigate Program. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and this is actually the career of Sonia, whose job as technical governance lead depends heavily upon the skills she developed as an artist. To discuss this unique crossover, she joins us for this Beneath the Deck episode. Sonia, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Sonia, you've got a really varied career. You've worked in the oil and gas industry, you've worked on the Air Warfare Destroyer Program, and now you're at BAE Systems Australia. But when you left school to go to uni, you studied in an area that was totally unrelated. What was that? Yeah, so I did a Bachelor of Performance Arts and I was majoring in contemporary choreography. A dancer by trade, for want of a better description. Yes, yeah. I would imagine that's quite a demanding course on your body, to say the least. Yeah, it was very physically and psychologically demanding, but worth every minute of it. Three years of a very hard slog, but loved it. Loved it and a hard slog. And then out of it, though, I'd imagine it's a pretty competitive space to try and find a career following on from that. Yeah, especially in Australia. It is a very specialised area and you have to be the best of the best to have a consistent career in that industry. So it was very difficult to try and make a mark post getting my bachelor's degree, but I learned a lot from it and I wouldn't trade that degree for the world. In terms of learning a lot from it, you work in a very technical area now, it says it in your job title, but Doing that degree and what you focused on, you mentioned they're psychologically demanding and also I'm guessing it's about communication as well. So there's a lot of intensity going on there, focus. Yeah, yeah. So from the psychological perspective, one of my aims as a contemporary choreographer was to try and communicate issues and I guess more taboo things that the human experience goes through. So researching issues that some people face like drug addiction and the like, it can be quite confronting. And then trying to work out a way to communicate that through choreography, through music, through costuming, lighting, staging, anything and everything that goes into a show trying to communicate that so that people would understand and connect with it on a different level than what they normally would if it was just brought up in conversation. It was very rewarding, but there was a lot of effort that goes into to communicate and express things. I think that's the most beautiful thing about art is that that's what it's at its core trying to do. It is, and you described that really, really well. 
And in terms of that communication, I'm guessing that's something that's been central to your career from then on, but also that intention to detail. Yeah, absolutely. Communication and attention to detail are probably the most valuable skills I have. (laughs) And I've taken those through every role that I've had since leaving uni. And they've served me extremely well. Well, they have served you extremely well. I want to talk about that career path a little bit because there's those two themes that are central to what you've been doing. But the other one seems to be water. (laughs) You've worked for organisations around water. But when you worked out that, you know, maybe you couldn't pursue a future in dance, you seem to leave the water behind in a fairly drastic way. Where did you go? Yeah, I, uh, through a series of events, landed in Tennant Creek in the middle of the Northern Territory. So it was uh, quite the sea change from the east coast of Australia to the middle. But it turned out that that was a a great move for me in in my career because I landed working in an organisation, Tlalakari Council Aboriginal Corporation, and there was a gentleman there who was the director of community services and he took me under his wing and he let me learn quite a bit from him with regards to what was happening in that space and I assisted him with pulling together some events around some of the Indigenous community. It was really eye-opening. I imagine too there was a lot of, again, attention to detail and a lot of administrative stuff that you were starting to learn that you've carried forward. Yes, that's kind of when I started dabbling in the administrative side of things, sitting in an office, very different to choreographing and and being under a lot of physical demand. But I found it very intellectually interesting and that kind of started to spark an interest in the business world. It did, because from there you, you headed north. Yes. To a diving company. Yes. But this wasn't recreational diving by any stretch of the imagination from what I can No. <laughs> no, recreational diving in Darwin is, is uh, a little bit hazardous given that you've got a lot of crocodiles up there. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly dangerous. Yeah. yeah, no, it was for a commercial diving company. And what did they do? They do a lot of hull inspections for vessels. They also did quite a bit on clearing unexploded ordinances in the harbour in Darwin. I guess the bulk of it was doing inspections and on hulls and anodes and, and the like on vessels that were docked in Darwin, getting their maintenance done. The maritime journey begins really for you. Absolutely. I fell in love with it. And a lot of the the team up there, they started to teach me about all the different things, de-shackles and anodes and, and what happens and stuff like that. And I started helping them with writing reports and I went on to become the document controller for the whole business unit, which is across the country. There's a few bases for them. Onshore works only though I, I wasn't part of the offshore works and they also invested in me and helped me get my cert four in workplace health and safety and became the darwin site health safety environment and quality representative yeah i'd imagine throughout your career you've had to do quite a bit of upskilling to say the least yeah but i think that's great i think that's something that people should do their entire career is continue to grow and learn and push themselves I'm going to follow the maritime theme for you because you ended up in Adelaide 
with the Submarine Corporation. So I'm imagining that there was a whole lot of stuff that you learnt in Darwin that gave you some sort of insight and understanding that was transferable? Yeah, I think that was kind of my in, if I can put it like that. When I first started, I took a role as a document controller in the CMDM team, um, which is configuration management, data management. And fortunately for me, they saw that because I had previous history with the marine oil and gas industry and document control history that I could transfer those skills over and and become a valued part of the team. And luckily for me, CMDM was actually part of the engineering department. So it was a great introduction. Okay, so you're sort of moving upwards and sideways along the way and getting closer and closer to engineering. Does that require more education? Yeah, it does. And once again, I was very blessed to be taken under the wing of an engineering manager in platform systems on the Air Warfare Destroyer program. And he asked me if I wanted to become a backup for the cataloging officer in engineering. And I jumped at the opportunity and was fascinated with NATO stock numbers, which is a bit geeky, I guess. But whilst I was there, there were a couple of key engineers that I was working with and helping out that just tried to impart as much knowledge as possible to me because they could see that I wanted to learn. And they taught me things about how to read diagrams and engineering drawings. And they taught me about system readiness reviews and the background and the foundations of what I was actually doing as opposed to just, you know, giving me a task and saying, just do this. Don't worry about what it means. I was very blessed. In terms of what it means, I'm guessing you're saying, right, well, this job is important because you're keeping people safe or that piece of equipment won't fail. Is that is that kind of what you were being given insight to? Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't just being taught about the mechanics of the equipment that we were designing and building. I was also being taught about how that fits into the bigger picture. The fact that The company isn't just providing a piece of equipment to a company and that's it. We're actually helping to provide the best equipment possible for the men and women that serve our country and enable them to do their best job. They literally put their life on the line for us and it's important that we are providing them with equipment that works properly and is safe and allows them to focus on the job at hand and not worry about the equipment that they're having to use. I think that's a remarkable description. That really encapsulates the role of so many people that support the pointy end. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I think people sometimes lose focus of that. Um, Work gets really busy and you get really down in the weeds of the tasks that you've got to do. But I think it's important to every now and then take a step back and look at the bigger picture, the fact that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Do you think that helps make you good at your job in terms of seeing the bigger picture or is it the fine detail or is it both? It's both. Absolutely, it's both. You have to be able to get into the weeds, but you have to 
also remember to take a step back and look at how your piece fits into the puzzle. You can't have a full picture without everybody putting in their piece. But if you're only focusing on your piece and you don't take into account that your one piece in a thousand piece puzzle, then you run the risk of not working very well with others and not actually providing what is needed. That's a good description because you are working in a thousand piece puzzle and we will get to that in a moment. I'd say it's probably about a 20, 30,000 piece puzzle. You know, it, it, it's very, very big. But <laughs> yeah. you're very positive about your career today. There must have been some challenges along the way. And I imagine leaving performing arts would have been the first and biggest hurdle. That was very challenging. I had a bit of a crisis of personality, I guess. It made me question who I am and and my place in the world and my passions and that was very tough but over time I came to realize that you can be more than one thing and change is inevitable every life goes through change and morphs and grows and coming to accept that and enjoy it really and enjoy the fact that you kind of morph through your experiences coming to that that place was really helpful morphing is a good way of describing your career path i'd argue because now you're technical governance lead on the hunter program with bae systems australia i gotta be honest what does the title of technical governance lead mean yeah um when i first got the job when i was hired by this incredible man named robin he explained my role to me as the glue and I was like okay what do you mean (laughs) I'm the glue and he expressed the role as one that brings people together and helps translate the information that is needing to be passed between departments and the like. He also explained to me that what is needed when you're building something so complex and has quite a lot of risks around it and needing to make sure that it's safe, legal and compliant, whether it be compliant with the requirements of the design or compliant with legislation, regulation, that sort of thing, is we have to make sure that we check ourselves at the appropriate times and we're honest and take a good look at what we're doing, how we're doing it, and if it is the most efficient, effective, valuable way of designing and building a ship. And so I kind of took that and went, all right, I'm glue and I make sure that we are having the right checks in place at the right time. I guess you can kind of sum up my role like that it's much more complicated and technical but you can kind of sum it up in that way i think you summed it up pretty well and i've got a reasonable idea what's going on there and i the glue role sounds like you're drawing heavily upon again communication and technical skills yes yeah i have to be able to sit down with a software engineer or a weapons engineer and listen to them listen to understand is key and then be able to take that information and explain it to someone in say supply chain or someone in quality 
or HR or even our customer and vice versa. So it's really about listening to understand and then being able to translate that information to whichever stakeholder I happen to be needing to engage with. I reckon my head would explode at the end of the day. (laughs) You're constantly learning and trying to be on top of something totally new quite often, I'd imagine. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it. I'm never bored. No, I'd imagine not. But <laughs> but again, are you having to upskill and reskill? I mean, you're talking to software engineers there a second ago and you've been talking about, you know, marine engineers and whoever else. They're different languages. Absolutely. I am doing a diploma of digital technology, but aside from formal education, I find one of the best ways to learn is asking questions to the people that are subject matter experts. So I ask, and sometimes people can get a little bit annoyed, but they know it's all in good spirit. I ask a lot of questions and I try very hard to listen to what they're saying. And if I don't understand something, I ask. And I don't worry about whether it's a perceived to be a dumb question or not. The only way you're going to learn is by asking questions and engaging with people and watching them do what they do. And when you get the opportunity to do something new, you jump at it. You said there a second ago, people sometimes get a bit annoyed because I'm constantly asking questions. Is that part of maybe a misconception about your role? They don't fully understand where you fit or is it just people are busy? I think it could sometimes be a little bit of both. When I am starting a relationship with someone at work, they generally don't have too much of an idea about what a technical governance lead does and I don't hold that against them at all. It can be a little confusing and the title doesn't exactly say, this is what I do. So it can be a little bit confusing straight off the bat, but once you generate that relationship and you you have conversations and you get to know each other and you get to know what each other does, it more comes down to being busy. But at the end of the day, everybody just has patience with each other. We all understand that we're all trying to do our best and do the job that we've got and we all need to work together in order for the big picture to come together. What do you like about working with Defence? I like the fact that it is something bigger than me. There's a motivational speaker, his name's Simon Sinek. I find him extremely knowledgeable and something that he talks about is having a just cause and a why that you work towards. And for me, I love working in defence because the defence industry is made up of people that risk their lives and they do everything they can to not only protect the people of this country, but also help people in times of need. So you would remember a couple of years ago, just before COVID hit, there was um, the bushfires that happened. And the defence personnel, they were helping people who had been displaced by those fires. Sometimes I think people forget that the defence industry isn't just about protection. It's about helping and supporting. It's a good reason why 
it's a just cause. It's something that I feel I can get behind and is worth the sacrifice of my time or whatever it may be, but it's worthy. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. You've mentioned a few times you've had you've been fortunate enough to have people take you under their wing and that's been really important in your career path. What do you reckon the best career advice is you've received along the way? One would be listen to understand, not listen to respond. It sounds logical, but you find that a lot of people in everyday life will just be listening to what you're saying just to respond and keep the conversation going as opposed to listening to understand what you are genuinely trying to say. So I think that's probably one piece of advice that I would offer everybody. And I think the other thing is it's okay to ask for help. Don't try and solve everything yourself. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, know different things to you, and build that intellectual diversity so that you're constantly intellectually challenging yourself and others. Lastly, Sonia, what advice would you have for anyone considering a career in defence? Do it. You will love it. I have never looked back. I think it's the most rewarding job I've had because it's not really a job. You're part of a team, you're part of a family, and at the end of the day, you're helping. Well, Sonia, it sounds like you're doing a remarkable job of helping and your career just seems to go from strength to strength. And you've given me some amazing insights to what it involves and all the best from here on in. But for now, though, Sonia, Technical Governance Lead on the Hunter Program, thank you for joining me for this Beneath the Deck podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit the BAE Systems Australia website. All information is accurate at the time of release.